Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Mark 10, verse 45. Let's read it together. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He's kind of wrapping up a little bit of a skirmish between his disciples. Even sometimes those that follow Jesus might skirmish a little bit. And he's saying, listen, guys, I didn't even come to serve myself. I came to serve you and serve the world with the greatest need that they have. And then he goes on as they travel towards Jerusalem. Verse number 46, listen as I read. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, he's on the other side of the city, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. You're disrupting things. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said, said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight, followed Jesus in the way. Father, would you bless us as we look into this passage of Scripture. May you be our teacher for everyone, wherever they are in their journey with you today. I pray that you'd minister to our hearts through your blessed word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. On that line stands the old rugged cross. On that cross a battle is raging for the gain of man's soul or its loss. On the one side March the forces of evil, 
all the demons, all the devils of hell. On the other, the angels of glory, and they meet on Golgotha's hill. The earth shakes with the force of the conflict, and the sun, it refuses to shine. For there hangs God's sun in the balance, and then through the darkness he cries. It is finished, the battle is over. It is finished, there'll be no more war. It is finished, the end of the conflict. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. But in my heart, the battle was raging. Not all prisoners of war had come home. These were battlefields of my own making. I didn't know that the war had been won. Oh, then I heard that the king of the ages, he had fought all life's battles for me. And victory was mine for the claiming. And now, praise his name, I am free. It is finished, the battle is over. It is finished, there'll be no more war. It is finished, the end of the conflict. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. It is finished, the battle is over. It is finished, there'll be no more war. It is finished, the end of the conflict. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. So helpful. Very good uh, words and song. All right, children, you're dismissed. Let's find our Bibles and get back to Mark chapter number 10. Ready to dig in? All right, all two of you, are you ready to dig in? 
let's jump in. And uh, if you did get a message guide on your way in, you can fill out notes in there and, and hopefully take that home with you and think on it. Uh, I, I like for us to have the Bible in front of us because we refer to it all the way through the message. And that helps us to, to know that it's coming from the Lord. You didn't come to hear me. Uh, some of you I'm meeting for the first time today. And uh, my, my word isn't any different than someone else's word on the streets, except for the fact that I have an open Bible in front of me, and I'll do my very best uh, to explain it as the Holy Spirit has uh, given guidance in that. And so we want to be looking at Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 45. And I want us to really catch a hold of this. What he just sang about was really the, the climax of all of human history. It all focuses around the cross. You notice even the calendar focuses around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes down to zero and it comes up from zero. Everything focuses around Jesus Christ and his advent here on earth when he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom, the payment for many. So what we just heard about, a great battle was won there that day at the cross. And it's a battle that was won on your behalf. It's a battle every, every person has to fight. It has come to you. But Jesus went and took the, on the battle for you at the cross. And so that verse is so very helpful that we read to start with. He came not to minister. He came not to be served, but to, to minister and to give his life, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. One person said of friendship that a true friend is one who walks in when others walk out. A true friend is one who walks in when others walk out. No doubt you've thought you've had a friend before, and, and when in, in the moment of a great need, they weren't there, they, they were callous, or they were uh, kind of apathetic towards you, and, and really didn't show up when you really, really needed them, and, and really showed their, um, their friendship in that way. But a true friend is one who is walking into your life and, and is there when other people are walking out. When they're abandoning you, maybe it's a decision you made that was just, how many of you have ever made a dumb decision? Right? I, we've all made a dumb decision. Aren't you thankful for a friend that'll stick with you through a dumb decision? They'll say, hey, by the way, that was dumb, but I still love you. And that's a, that's a great and true friend. And I want us to realize that through the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, through his 33 years here on earth and through his three-year ministry, Jesus over and over demonstrated loyal love and true friendship. He demonstrated walking into people's lives when no one else cared about them, when no one else was uh, interested in their, their problems, when the doctors couldn't answer the needs, when the, when the priests couldn't answer the needs, when all the religious leaders were not able to give an answer to the problem. Jesus walked in to many people's lives, and he cared for them in their temporal, physical need. All of us have a birth date, and all of us have a death date. We don't like to think about that, but we have a death date. We have a day that we're not going to be on earth anymore. Our heart's going to stop beating. And the reality is, every physical need that you have right now is a temporal, physical need is a, a need that is, is present right now, except there is a spiritual need that's very eternal. So Jesus did not just focus on the temporal needs, maybe such as the healings of physical healings that needed, maybe the need for food and, and bread. Uh, he did focus on those, but he also very much focused on their eternal spiritual need, the need that would outlast them um, and on this earth and would last into eternity. He was very focused on that and showed his true friendship in that way. And 
It's amazing on this journey that we've just read about, Jesus was on his way to Jericho. Show us that on the map so we can get an understanding here. He is heading to, um, um, uh, to Jericho from beyond Jordan, so he's heading south down towards the Dead Sea, and he is meandering his way. The Bible says there in verse number one, he's gone through Jericho, so he's on the other side of Jericho, the southern side of Jericho, and he is he is walking toward Jerusalem. Why? Because he's going there as he's already told his disciples to die. He's going there to be killed of the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. He's going to be put to the cross by the, um, the Roman military. He's going to give his life a ransom for many. He's going to spread out his arms wide for our salvation. And he, there at the cross, he is going to make the most extravagant display of true love, uh, unconditional, loyal love, and true friendship there at the cross. Uh, what does the Bible say in John chapter 15, 13? Uh, a greater love hath no man than this, that man lay down his life for his friends. But friends, I want us to remember that we weren't his friends at that point. We were enemies. We were at enmity with God. We were separated from God, and yet Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. And that's pretty amazing. So he's on his, his journey there. He's focused there. His disciples are along with him. There's a great crowd of people. There's a multitude of people that have gathered along with them. And they're going there. Jesus has this as his focus. He's going to Jerusalem to give his life for all of humanity, for the sins of all of humanity that we all have committed. And he's going to give his life a ransom for many there in Jerusalem. But on his way, he stops and takes notice of a man who had a need. Now, we all have schedules, and sometimes we go here and there, and we, I, I can't stop, at, I can't stop and, and talk there because I need to get onto my schedule. But you notice that Jesus was a man that was willing to allow his schedule to be rearranged to meet the needs of people. That's a true friend. That's a true friend. And he did so on his way to Jerusalem. He stopped and paused to take care of this man's need. And he, as Jesus, the God-man, as very deity, as very God in the flesh, had the ability over anyone else in that country, over anyone else that was alive on earth, and over anyone else that's ever lived, to help this man in his physical need and thereby also his spiritual need. And his name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, an interesting man. It means son of the esteemed. And he was an interesting man that, that had a great need. And he was aware about Jesus being on earth. He was aware about the miracles that Jesus had done. And he was aware that Jesus was coming on his way. But when Jesus cured this man or brought this man to wholeness, what I want us to really catch a hold of is that this man in turn went and followed Jesus with the rest of his life. He went on and followed Jesus immediately. He was so grateful for all that God uh, had done in his life, and that's what Jesus wants of every one of us. He doesn't want us just to come and find wholeness in him. He doesn't just want our physical, our spiritual needs met in him. He does want us to continue to follow him every day of our life. That is the story that we all must have. And so I want us to notice here this morning, notice the need of this beggar. Now, the Bible calls him a beggar. I didn't, I didn't give him that term. The Bible calls him a beggar. Uh, people in those days that had extreme physical needs would have to turn to begging in order to, in order to have those needs met. Notice it says there in the last word of verse number 46 that he sat by the highway side begging, begging. There's a certain humility that comes along with that. A person that has come to that point, they're struggling uh, to have the wherewithal, whether it's by a disability 
uh, they're struggling to have the wherewithal uh, to, to make ends meet, to, um, to put food on their table, to have sustenance, to have clothing, and they've turned to begging. That is a, a, a difficult place to be in life, and he had an insurmountable need. I want us to realize they're in the vicinity of Jerusalem. As they left the city, there's this great crowd that is gathering and following along with Jesus because Jesus and his miracles cause people to, to stop and take wonder, and so they're following along with Jesus, and it's a great crowd of Jesus and his disciples and the people uh, likely heading towards Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, which is very interesting because this would have been one of the high, very high days there in Jerusalem, a, a day of great celebration, a, really a, a period, a, a week of great celebration uh, in which uh, in which they would celebrate the Passover, which uh, looked back to when the Israelites came out of Egypt and when the death angel went across Egypt to, as the 10th plague to bring death on the firstborns of all the, the families in Egypt, those Israelites who listened to God and put uh, the blood of a lamb on their, on their doorpost and on, their, uh, on the, the top of the door uh, when the death angel came through and saw the blood marking the house of the Israelites, the blood of the lamb, isn't that an interesting picture? The blood of the lamb marking the, the Israelite homes. Uh, uh, God said, I will pass over you. We have a song in our hymnals that sings that. Uh, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Every one of us needs to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives so that the death angels, uh, Satan, cannot have a grip on us, that, that we have eternal life through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was a celebration of that, though Jesus, the very fulfillment of the Passover was in their presence, they wouldn't understand all that that meant. The Passover looked forward to Christ, and as they're traveling there as religious people and ready to worship, dedicated people, they're with Jesus, and there's this man begging on the, on the, the highway side. It's not like our day. I was in a doctor's office this week that, that cornered 675, and all day long, that, uh, that, that uh, physician's assistant had to hear and see those cars zooming back and forth. And I just kind of got this feeling, what a, what a life, you know, just kind of watching life go by, you know, back and forth, back and forth. What a, what a view. But it's not like that. In that day, they were walking, and they had time to stop, or they, they were more uh, connected with one another. And so Jesus is walking down what would have been a dusty road, and he meets this man named Bartimaeus. However, uh, it's interesting that he was crying out long ahead of time that, uh, that for Jesus to, uh, to meet him. All three of the synoptic gospels, and when I say that, I mean Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the synoptic gospels, or the similar viewpoints, sharing a lot of different perspective about the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So this is mentioned in all three, but, it, uh, but it not in every one is his name specifically uh, mentioned, but here it is, Bartimaeus. Now, Mark wrote... It was the penman that God used to write the, Bible, uh, write the gospel of Mark at the mouth of the apostle Peter. So Peter had the, the eyewitness experience. It's likely Mark witnessed much of Jesus' life, perhaps not all of it because he was probably a young man, but he wrote this down at the, the mouth of Peter. So there was an, this is an eyewitness account that, that Mark is writing down, and likely later on, sometime down the road, it's likely that Mark knew this man personally that they had a personal interaction, and thus the specific name that is given here. But this blindness that was on Bartimaeus, let's say Bartimaeus together, Bartimaeus. All right, that's an interesting word, not, not one that we'd like to name our sons today. But, uh, but this, this Bartimaeus, 
uh, was a blind man, and in that day, that would have been a very difficult uh, disability. That would be a very difficult handicap for a person uh, to have, as it is in our day, but you even see uh, in our day we have so much braille around, and we have a lot of things that help those with that, with that struggle. And so in that day, it would have been different. He would have had to turn to begging, like I've mentioned, and it was a permanent condition. There wasn't LASIK. There wasn't glasses. There wasn't the, the modern marvels of, of technology that we have today. And this was a common situation. One man, William Thompson, wrote this in his book, The Land and the Book, uh, speaking of the land of the Bible. I once walked down the, walked the streets counting all that were either blind or had defective eyes, and it amounted to one half of the male population. The women I could not count for, they were rigidly veiled. So speaking of a, mid a Middle Eastern area with much dust and so on, and another man put it this way, the dust and the glare of the sun, the unsanitary habits of the people spread uh, contagious eye diseases widely. And so there was a lot of this. It was a common thing. And here's this man that gets to meet Jesus as a blind man. He is not able to do anything about it. He personally can't do anything about it. And those that are around, that are traveling with Jesus, couldn't do anything about it. These disciples, these worshipers, they couldn't give him sight. They didn't have that power. In fact, the wealthy uh, 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 residents of Jericho, they couldn't buy his sight. They couldn't say, well, we're just going to go somewhere and buy this. It, it wasn't possible. It was something that was out of reach. That's why I say this was an insurmountable need in this man's life. Like Bartimaeus, all men and women and children come into the world with an insurmountable need. A need that no man can meet except Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 4, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. God, Satan wants to keep this world, he wants to keep us blinded to the truth, the reality of what Jesus came to do. He came to give himself a ransom for many at the cross. That's what Satan wants to keep. Uh, and we find that many times in this world uh, that we find that, that people never know the message of what Jesus has done for them. They have this insurmountable need of their own sinfulness before a holy God, and they have this, this need that it would be forgiven. They have this need that it would be cleansed and taken away, and yet they don't know that there's an answer. They don't know that there's somebody that, that truly came to take all of their sin for them. That's an amazing thing. I find it heartbreaking to find that so many are are encouraged not to read the, the Word of God. Why, when we come here, do we open up our Bibles? Because this is life. This is the Word of God. This is what you need. I will die someday. This will go on. This will live on forever. And this is the Word that God has given to you. He's given you the revelation of Himself. He's given you the Gospel, and He wants you to know it has blinded their eyes, but God has given us the, um, the gospel, and it's a glorious gospel, and it's, it's full of light. It's not darkness. It's full of light. It comes into our soul and illumines, helps us understand life. It helps us to put things in perspective. It helps us understand God, and it helps us understand our relationship with him and how we can be reconciled to him. You know, uncurred blindness only affected Bartimaeus in this life. 
Uncured blindness only affected Bartimaeus in his life, but unforgiven sins would have affected him for all of eternity. And yes, for us, it would affect us for all of eternity if it's not uh, dealt with, if it's not, the need is not met, if it's not forgiven. I want us to realize um, Bartimaeus had an insurmountable need, but I also want us to notice how he admitted his need. He admitted his need. Verse number 47, And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth... It was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was told that Jesus was coming by. Notice that the Bible here tells us that he understood him to be Jesus of Nazareth, a descriptive term. Uh, You might say that, uh, you know, I'm Josiah from Indiana. All right, that's the idea. A Jesus from Nazareth. That's where he came from. And it was a very descriptive term. It didn't, it didn't necessarily acknowledge his deity or who he was and his power. It just described Jesus as, as from Nazareth. He's the one from up, up in that area, from that town, a descriptive term. But Bartimaeus began to cry out. And did you notice how he refers to Jesus, how he calls on Jesus? Look down there with me in verse number 47. Jesus, thou son of David. Let's say that together, good and loud. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. There's a little bit of a different different focus here. Jesus, thou son of David. Referred to Jesus as the promised Messiah, the one that was promised through the line of David. Bartimaeus coming to the understanding at some point through uh, different messages and what he had heard that this man wasn't just an average man. He just wasn't Jesus from Nazareth, but he was actually Jesus, the very son of David, the, the one that God had promised to come into the world to save men from their sins. And Bartimaeus knew his own need. I'm blind. I'm physically blind. I've been sitting here by the roadside begging all, the, all these years. I'm physically blind, I, I, and he knew his need, and then he called on Jesus, the God-man, the, the promised Messiah, trusting that he would give him mercy and compassion that he would meet his need. Uh, if you pick up the phone and call somebody in the moment of need, call 911, you're admitting need, saying, I, I need something. Uh, come check my house. I think there's a burglar around. I need something. So he called out to Jesus, the son of David. And it was was his verbal call out. It was a sign of his faith. And we'll touch on that more in a a moment. But he knew his need and he called out to Jesus, the God-man, to grant mercy. I need you. And his need required the mercy of Christ. Jesus did not heal every, every disease. And the Bible talks about that. He healed many. In fact, the book of John says if all the miracles and all the actions of Jesus were to be written down, the heavens, if there were a scroll, they couldn't contain it. If the, if the oceans were, uh, were full of ink, it, it, it was, would not be able to contain all the books of what Jesus had done. Marvelous Savior that we serve. But he needed mercy from Jesus. And our need of forgiveness of sin uh, needs Jesus' mercy as well. We needed the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 and verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ, by grace you're saved. 
God is rich, abundant, wealthy, generous in mercy, and he showed his love by sending Jesus Christ to the cross, and he's offering this opportunity to us to be saved. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that if we will come like a Bartimaeus admitting our own need, if we will come admitting our own sinfulness before a holy God, he will indeed save us. He will meet that need. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just like Bartimaeus called out, Jesus, thou son of David, we must call out in prayer, Lord, I am a sinner. I do deserve the penalty of hell. I do deserve the judgment for my sin. I deserve that. I am a sinner before you, but I'm asking that you would save me. I'm asking and asking that your death on the cross would become real for me and effective for me, that this would be my identity, that, uh, that I would identify with you and what you did for me at the cross and accept Jesus' payment on your behalf. So there was an insurmountable need. There was an omission of need. But notice when Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. Notice what Jesus did. Verse number 48 and following. I want us to notice that Jesus cared for him. There's a song in our hymnal, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thought? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Mm. What a savior we serve. The world will toss you aside when they're done with you. But no one ever cares for us like Jesus. In fact, we see that play out here. Jesus heard his cry. In verse 48, many charged him that he should hold his peace. So just get the picture. You have Christ's disciples. You have this multitude of people. And they're following along with Jesus. Some of them probably going ahead and uh, you know, opening up the way. And others lagging behind. And, and, and this group had evidently heard uh, Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me before Jesus had gotten to him. And so they're all saying to Bartimaeus, shush. Jesus is an important figure. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He has a schedule to keep. And this is not something he can stop and take care of right now. And they're charging him. Or as the, Bible, uh, as the Bible, as we define the word, they rebuked him, and they rebuked him, according to this word, over and over and over again. Kind of nice individuals. Uh, we don't need you bothering us right now. We're on a schedule. Uh, we have to be places. Now, remember I told you that this is the crowd that's going up to worship God in Jerusalem. The Passover. This is the, this is the group that's supposed to have mercy and compassion and, 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 and love other people. But this group, not necessarily believers in Jesus Christ, this, this group is, uh, is, is kind of focused on, hey, we got to keep things moving along. We, we don't want to trouble ourselves with, a, with a, a, an obvious physical need like this. We want to just move along. We don't want to trouble ourselves with the, ba- on the beggar. And let's just move along. And so I find it's interesting that sometimes those that, that claim to be righteous or claim to be uh, uh, religious, sometimes they can rebuke those with needs and not treat them very well. Maybe you're here today and you've been rebuked by a religious community. Someone who said, yeah, I'm, I'm a religious person, but in your hour of crying out for help and for need, they said, shush. That isn't proper to talk about right now. Just get over it. Or take your problem to somebody else. And uh, friends, that's not the heart of Christ. 
And if you've experienced that in your life, just understand that whoever that person was was not acting in the place of Christ in that moment. Now, let's be real. We've all been there before, haven't we? I can stand here all day long and wait for you to agree with me on that one. You, you know what I mean? We've all been callous to a need. I have. And I don't, I don't look at those moments as, as, as glorious. I, I can think of times I've had to go back to people and say, hey, I, I, I was way too short with you on that. I just need your forgiveness. Can I, can I hear you out now? Would you forgive me and let me hear you out and help in this? It's just a human reality. But I, I do want us to realize, setting the picture, Bartimaeus is there with a need no man can meet, and Jesus is coming by, and yet men who were following him and, and, and seemed to be whole, in, at least in their physical body, are, are saying, shush. We don't want to deal with this right now. So uh, Jesus doesn't even tackle that in that, in that moment. Uh, he just gets right to Bartimaeus. We'll see that in a second. But I want us to realize, even in our world today, those that are without Jesus Christ cry out in many different ways. And sometimes that crying out is a little unnerving. It might be they, they, they run to drunkenness and, and they try to drink away their problem and you know how that will affect different lives. You know the, the after effects of that, the, the torn and broken homes, uh, the wasting of money and, and all those different things. Uh, you, you understand, but they're crying out, I have a need. I don't know how to get this met. Well, this is the best thing I know to do. And so they cry out in that way, or maybe they relationship hop. We go from relationship to relationship, and uh, certainly this will be the one that meets my, my need, and, or maybe they, they turn to drugs. And I, I as a, a police chaplain, sometimes I, I'm just overwhelmed by the, the, the hurt that people are going through in our city because they don't have an answer to the pain. Maybe it was an abuse in the or maybe it was some, something they just cannot get over and they, they turn to shooting up with drugs and, and they even uh, come to the end of their lives or, or might, uh, might uh, get a, a bad batch and, 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 and die and from an overdose or a, a, a something that was lethal and, and all because they're crying out, I, I need help. And in those moments I've thought, boy, I just wish we could have talked to them ahead of, ahead of time and helped them to realize they didn't need the drugs, they needed Jesus. And just understand, when you go to work tomorrow, when you're in a store, someone cuts you off, is belligerent in front of you, you know, cuts in line or whatever, and it just kind of unnerves you, many times they're crying out for something they don't have. And the only way they know is just to kind of focus on self, do, it, do, do their very best, but many times that cry is unnerving. We don't want to be like, this crowd who says, shush. We want to be like Jesus who meets the need and cares for them. Verse number 49, Jesus stood still. He doesn't rebuke them. He just focuses on Bartimaeus. And I love that. He doesn't get bogged down in the, he's just going to teach by example, hey, this is the way that we'll do things. Listen, before we shout it from the housetops, this is the way that I uh, meet needs. Let's just do it. Let's just be kind and be the heart and the mouth and the, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in our community. Verse number 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Come on. And they call him. 
And I find it interesting. They said, be of good comfort. Arise, he calleth thee. Uh, be of good cheer, uh, Mr. Baker, Mr. Bartimaeus, uh, he calleth thee. Jesus hears the humble, desperate, faith-filled cry of the needy. And aren't you thankful that he heard you one day? And that he still hears you. Aren't you thankful for that? You have a Jesus in heaven that, that does indeed hear you. And many are very proud. They will not ask for help. But this is not the case in Bartimaeus' uh, uh, case. He asked, Lord, I need you. I, I want you. Bartimaeus was not proud. He called out, I need the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus heard him. Notice in verse 50 that Jesus healed his condition. He didn't just hear him. Jesus did something about it. When we come to he says that he will in no wise cast us out. Isn't that great? No wise. There's no possibility he'll cast us out. That's our Savior. So he heals his condition, and he casts away his garment. He rose, Bartimaeus did, and came to Jesus. Now, just stop, and, and, and I want you to catch every nuance of this story. Bartimaeus threw off his garments. I'm not, it does not say that he, 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 he probably had an outer coat, maybe some, some blankets, some things to keep him warm. Think about he probably as a beggar, has most all of his possessions there. The Bible says he threw it off. The Bible did not say he, got, uh, he was naked. The Bible th- uh, it says he threw off his garment. So the idea of probably an outer cloak, and he runs to Jesus. I do want us to realize that what he threw off was very precious to him. You've seen beggars where they have everything with them, and it's very precious to him. But Jesus was more precious, and Jesus offered more to him than anything he had in life. And it's the same today. Jesus offers you more, more than you can ever have in life. And he throws off those garments and he, he rises and he goes to Jesus. He came to Jesus. Jesus asked him this question, what wilt thou that I should do for you? What wilt thou that I should do for you? Jesus, the Son of God, the eternally existent one, the one who is omniscient, by that I mean he knows all things. He asked, what wilt thou that I should do for you? He knew. Jesus knew. And Jesus knows what your need is. And yet he waits for you to tell him what he needs, what you need. He does. And so Bartimaeus simply says, Lord, Lord, or my master, Bartimaeus, here in this moment, acknowledges that Jesus was the master, that he was the one that ruled all things. Lord, master, it was a term of respect, and he asks him, he said, that I might receive my sight. And I want us to realize his request in response to Jesus' question was a revelation of Bartimaeus' faith. It, it, It revealed that he had faith that Jesus could do something about it. You don't call 911 or a friend if you don't think they can do something about it. Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. He says, I will that thou heal or give me back my sight. It's kind of a crazy question. If I went up to Brother Andy over here and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm blind, I need my sight. You're like, what? And no can do right? But he knew that Jesus could do this, and he believed that in his heart. Therefore, he asked this question, verse number 52, and Jesus said, go thy ways, thy faith hath made thee whole. Let's say that out loud together. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Interesting word here, thy faith hath made thee whole. Faith, belief, dependence, threw all of his eggs in that basket, so to speak. 
I'm trusted. I, the doctors haven't been able to help me. No one else has been able to help me. Riches can't help me. Uh, no amount of begging can help me. Uh, I need you to answer this. And he, he completely trusted in Jesus Christ, the son of David, very God, to answer this need. And so thy faith, thy trust, thy belief, thy dependence hath made you whole. Whole is to save or to, to heal. It's the idea of rescuing someone, delivering a person from imprisonment or other afflictions. So the idea is that he was rescued from this affliction, but it's interesting that this Bible word is used some, about seven times, and it, it also uh, is used for both physical healings and spiritual healings. So I do want us to understand that, yes, he was getting a physical healing on this day, but there was also much more that was going on in his life. He was made whole by his faith. His blindness was healed because of his faith in Jesus. Spiritual blindness is healed in the same way. We read a moment ago, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 4, the God of this world has blinded their minds. The only way for that to be healed or to be changed is to come to faith in Jesus Christ, that he is the answer, that his gospel, his death, his burial, and resurrection was effective for us in taking away our sins. And he's offering to us forgiveness of our sins. And so uh, spiritual blindness is healed by faith. Our sinfulness is forgiven by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Help me if you know it, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the world teaches us and many religions teach us and many that were in this multitude followed a system of religion that said, if you're going to be in heaven, if your sins are going to be forgiven, you must earn it. You must earn it. Couldn't be further from the truth, the truth of the word. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. Many times people will ask me when I say that, well, pastor, if I don't have to do anything to be saved, it seems like if I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior, then I could live any way I want. Well, the Bible answers that too. Romans chapter six. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Help me if you know it. God forbid. So we are not saved by our works. We're saved by faith. But from our faith, we should work. Our faith ought to be active. It ought to be visible. It ought to be, hey, can I help you on to Jesus? It ought to be loving the Bartimaeuses of life. It ought to be helping them on to the Lord. It ought to be walking in a pure way. So we're not saved by works, not of works, lest any man should boast. I've thought about this. If if we got to heaven by our good works, by following the golden rule or being better than the next guy, if we got there in that way, heaven would be an eternal pride fest. Well, I got here because I did this for that person. And would you like to see my, my hall of good deeds? Let me talk to you about them for a little bit. Can you imagine how, how big-headed heaven would be? Nope. The lamb is all the glory of heaven. The only person that's going to receive glory for us being there is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the, the one who gave his life a ransom for many. And so it's not by works lest any man should boast. Uh, your good works are not the currency of heaven. 
That's not the way that we, we get into heaven. That's not the way that you purchase your ticket. Jesus already purchased your ticket, so to speak, into heaven, and you must receive it by faith as Bartimaeus would receive his physical healing by faith from Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. So I believe on this day, and we'll see this in a moment, because of his after actions, I believe that Bartimaeus not only received his physical sight, but he also received spiritual sight. He received spiritual wholeness. You say, how so? Look at verse number 52 again with me. And immediately he received his sight. Amen? That's awesome. Can you imagine him being there? That would have been, what a life-changing, wonderful moment. He immediately received his sight. Not over time. Jesus does not bring wholeness, positional wholeness into our life over time. He doesn't, he doesn't save you. It's not like a buffering. If you, if you watch videos online, it's not like buffering, salvation loading. Uh, he saves you completely. Now, the working out of that, becoming more like Jesus Christ, happens over time, right? But he saves you completely. And he made Bartimaeus completely whole. He gave his sight to him right then. He gives us salvation right away. Praise the Lord for that. But notice what happens next. And follow Jesus in the way. Say that out loud with me. And follow Jesus in the way. He followed Christ. He followed and traveled behind him. Uh, continually is the idea of the word. That it didn't just happen for a day, but Bartimaeus began to follow Jesus Christ. And it's what leads some to believe that he was a part of the early church for many, many more, more years. But he followed Jesus daily, actively, continually. He's following after Jesus in the way, the path that Jesus was, was walking, the, the way that Jesus purposed. Now, he submitted to the leadership of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus went, he went. Where Jesus did not go, he did not go. What Jesus did, he did. And what Jesus did not do, he did not do. Barnabas was not just a, a casual follower of Jesus Christ. You find many people who say, I, I talk to many people as a pastor, and I ask about the relationship with Christ. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus Christ. I love him. But they don't truly follow him in their daily life. You can't tell a difference between them and their coworker because they talk the same, they act the same, they get angry the same, they, they, they don't get right the, the same, they hold on to grudges the same, and, and, and so on. And you're like, what's going on here? This, these pictures don't match up. Bartimaeus, according to the word, followed. He followed continually. Certain that was a, growth, a, growth, a growing time, a, a growing journey for him. But Bartimaeus was not just a casual weekend follower. He was a, a person who committed fully to Jesus Christ. The word disciple means a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus desires that every person who places faith in him would become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's much of the function of the local assembly of the church, is to help people be committed followers of Jesus Christ. I need you, you need me, we need each other. Amen? And in order to be committed followers of Jesus Christ, you ought to hang out with uh, other committed followers of Jesus Christ. And understand, we're all on a growth journey. We're not perfect. We're not boasting to be perfect. We're not. We, we know we have needs, and we know we have growth areas, and God's going to show us those in, our, in his time. Mark 8, 34 says this, And when he called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He says, I, I want you to follow me, but that's right after he talks to them. You've believed on me, continue in my word, but make sure that you're, you're denying yourself, saying no to self, you're taking up your cross, whatever sacrifice that requires of you in your life, and follow me. 
follow me. Even if the world ridicules you, follow me. Bartimaeus did not return to find his bucket list. I got, got my sight back, so let me go on with life. I'm saved, let me go on with life. I've placed faith in Jesus Christ, I know him now, let me go on with life. Some people believe on Jesus, yet don't follow him in his word. At the camp out this past weekend, we talked a little bit about being a disciple. John 8, 30 says, And he spake, Jesus spake these words. Many believed on him. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, help me. Then are ye my disciples indeed, in action. So if you take my word and practice it, you begin following me. This is the very living word of Jesus Christ. If we begin to put it into practice, we're in essence following Jesus Christ. And that's what Bartimaeus did. I'm going to follow after Jesus. He's going to Jerusalem. I'm going to go there with him. He's not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay right with him. I'm going to follow with, with Jesus. Sometimes following with Jesus will mess with our plans. Have you ever found Jesus to disrupt your, your future plans? Yeah, but following him is always best. Following him is always best. And we don't want to just help other people, maybe your children. Sometimes I'll see people that, that, that want to just get their children to follow Jesus, but we have to follow Jesus. If we're going to help others follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus was a man who immediately followed Jesus, and this is our reasonable response to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for many. It's our reasonable sacrifice, as Romans 12, 1 says. We ought to give our lives and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will follow after you like a Bartimaeus did. He did not just follow Christ. He spoke of Christ and he glorified Christ. Notice in Luke chapter 18, verse 42, the parallel passage. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. Notice that wording. Hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God. What's glorifying? Just to magnify God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. So here's this Bartimaeus. He's, he's going on to Jerusalem, and he's so excited about what Jesus has done in his, in his physical body and in his heart. He's, he's saying, hey, Jesus did this for me. He did it for me, and he could probably do it for you too. Why don't you come meet my friend, Jesus? He's been such a friend to me, and he loved me in such an amazing way. Uh, come meet him, and he glorified God, and he glorified Jesus, exalted in him, and praised him. He verbally declared that God had transformed, had given him wholeness in his life was a powerful witness to what God could do. Bartimaeus allowed other people to not only see the wholeness that Jesus had brought into his life, but also to hear it. And friends, we need to allow Jesus to be seen in our lives, but also to be heard through our mouths. He's changed me. You see it. Here's the reason why. Here's how it worked. Jesus made me whole. He has saved my soul from eternal hell, and he's given me his righteousness so that I can be a certain when I die, I'll spend eternity with my heavenly Father. I've been reconciled. I've been reconciled to him. I think of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Most all of us are familiar with him. The Lord used him to to pen much of Scripture under inspiration of God. He gives his testimony, his story, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 23. Well, probably verse number 14 and following down to 24. But he gives, comes to the end of his testimony, and he's talking to the Galatians, which were a church uh, in, the, in the, uh, 
in Asia area. And he says, but they had only heard that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. So he is he's talking about how he's sharing his testimony, but the people, the believers, had only heard he was, he was a persecutor of the church. He killed people that followed Jesus Christ, but now he's changed and he's become a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his testimony ends in this way, and they glorified God in me. And they glorified God in me. Do you know the goal of Jesus Christ for your life today is not just to rescue you from your sins, but for you to follow him, constantly announcing to every person around you through your life so that it's seen, through your mouth so that it's heard like a Bartimaeus, that Jesus made me whole, that Jesus saved my soul, that Jesus can do this for you. And he wants us to follow him as a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier that um, students of the word believe that because Mark was the only one that recorded Bartimaeus' name uh, in specific, not just the blind man or the beggar, but Bartimaeus, that he was known in the early church, that Mark would have known him. And it's interesting that thought, though we can't be absolutely conclusive on that, that Bartimaeus likely just continued on as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And you know, many years later, when the history is told of this assembly and in your life, may we be known as people who have faithfully followed Jesus Christ. There was a point where he saved our soul, and you've not come to that point. Today's the day of salvation. You want to get that starting point with Jesus. But there also needs to be a pattern, a lifestyle of following after him, continually following after him. Will we have ups? Yep. Will we have downs? Do you know what's wonderful? In an assembly like this, if we'll interact with one another with a spirit of kindness and a humility, we can weather those ups and downs together. We don't have to kick at each other or nitpick at each other when, when we're hurting. No, we, we have ups and we have downs. And that's the reality of, of journey with Jesus Christ. But Bartimaeus was one that went on following Jesus Christ. Jesus had made such a radical difference in his life in turn he followed Jesus. And if you can remember back to the day that you came to Jesus Christ, I urge you, I urge you, be a committed follower of Jesus Christ like a Bartimaeus. If you've not yet come to that place where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're trusting in him and not your good works, then today's the day of salvation, and I urge you to accept him in that way. This is what Jesus wants to accomplish in our life. And I want us to notice, and I've titled this message this, and he followed Jesus. I want us to notice in the, in the, last, the last verse of our passage, Mark 1052, uh, and immediately he received his sight, and let's say this together, and followed Jesus in the way. One more time, and followed Jesus in the way. Are you following Jesus in the way? Have you started on the way with Jesus? Are you following Jesus on the way? That's what he wants to do in our lives, no matter where you are. No matter if this is your first time in church like this, or your, your, your 5,000th time. He wants us to follow him in the way. And it's a wonderful journey. Would you bow your heads with me? And we're going to take a moment just to talk to Jesus personally here in this, this room. I always believe that it's important that we take time to reflect. 
in prayer and ask the Lord what it is that he would have us to do. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you allowed Jesus to meet your need for total forgiveness of your sin? Have you allowed Jesus to meet your need, your insurmountable need for the total forgiveness of your sin? And have you accepted his free gift of eternal life by faith alone? Have you accepted that? Have you received that? Have you called out to him like a Bartimaeus? Lord, I need that salvation. I need that forgiveness of sins. I admit to you I'm a sinner. I need that. If you can remember back to a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior in that way, you've, you've placed your faith in him alone for salvation and for the forgiveness of sin. Could you just raise your hand uh, quickly this morning as a testimony to God? I've received Jesus Christ. I know that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. So many hands. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to answer that question with confidence? I know that he saved my soul. I've placed faith in him. Maybe you couldn't answer that question. Maybe you, uh, you're, you're struggling to know that for certain. Do you know God wants you to know that? He does not want you to come to your, the day of your death and to the day of standing before him and not know this for certain. He has given you all things to help you to know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus wants you to know this. I wonder, is there anyone here, no one looking around, that say, Pastor, I don't know this, but I am interested. Now, I'll promise you this. I'm not pointing you out, but I'd certainly love to pray for you and know that that's what's on your heart. I don't know for sure that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. I see that hand. Anyone else? I want to encourage you on this day, we'd love to take the Bible with you following the service and show you how you can know for sure. That would be our greatest joy. And we'd love to do that. If you'll stop by the Welcome Center at the end, we'd love to, we'd love to just take a moment and talk to you. Or you could talk to your friends that, um, that brought you today and they would certainly help you in this. Maybe you just need time to think about it. That's fine, too. We also are going to give you the book on the way out, uh, the Dunn book, and that will be helpful uh, to you. I wonder today how many would say, I raised my hand, Pastor, that I do know for certain that Jesus is my Savior, but I have also realized today that I need to commit to following him like a Bartimaeus. I want to I wanna be five, ten years from now still following Jesus Christ. And I know there's some decisions today that I need to make to make a choice. I'm not going to get off in the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to follow him. How many would say, God worked in my heart about that and I'd admit that with an upraised hand. Amen. Amen. Following Jesus. I want to give us the opportunity right now, right where you are, maybe you just find your knees and kneel in your seat and say, Lord, I want to be that type of committed follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you'd pray together with a spouse. I want to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but right now, if you, if you want to, pray there at your seat, and let's, let's ask the Lord, Lord, and commit to him. I want to be that follower of Jesus Christ. Now, it's likely, it's likely that the Lord is going to point his finger at something in your heart that you need to do or you need to think, and I'd encourage you, go all the way with him. Go all the way with him. Whatever point that Jesus is saying,
do, do it like a Bartimaeus. Wherever he's telling you to go, go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.